0: Well, we, we have been seeking God for direction throughout these last seven weeks in regards to what he wants us to do and what he wants us to engage in as a people and as a ministry. And uh, we sense that the Lord has led us to a time of simplifying things and decluttering in order for us to see clearly what matters. I'm thankful for all that God has been doing throughout this time. Super thankful throughout these last seven weeks where we've kind of decluttered things, begin to seek the presence of God, and ask God for direction in regards to the Lord. What exactly do you have for us as a ministry? The prayer time before service has been amazing. The people that come beforehand to pray, they pray for every chair, for every person that will come, asking for God to move in a very powerful way. we like to welcome you to that, right, from 945 to 1015. We're going to be here praying from 945 to 1015. The worship team has done an incredible job. Can we give thanks to God for the worship team? Amen. Do you know that you're blessed at The Rock? You're blessed at The Rock to have an incredible worship team that really seeks the face of God and is shepherding us, really seeking to see what is it that the Holy Spirit is doing. The volunteers and staff have stepped up in a major way in the midst of a big transition in kids' church and in the administrative aspects of the church. The conversations that we've been having about discipleship individually and in, in group settings have been super encouraging to me. I believe that we're headed in the right direction. I believe that God is moving us in, in a very special way. Even though everything is not clear, I sense clearly that God is with us. I am thankful that God is with us. I don't know what the journey may look like completely, but we declare like Moses We'll go where your presence goes. Where you stay, we'll stay. Where you go, we'll go. So today I want to continue to talk to you about focusing on what matters, focusing on that which really matters to God. And in order to do so, I want to reaffirm who we say we are and reaffirm what we say we're about. So here at The Rock, we say that we are real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We sat down and we prayed for some time with a group of people. And we said, what do you see God doing at The Rock? What do you see God doing in us? What do you see that God wants for his people? And after a long time of thinking and processing and praying, this is what we came up with or what the Lord gave us. We are real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? We're a multicultural group. We're a diverse people who come from all different walks of life in every diverse way. We like it like that. We love it like that. We want to grow that way because we believe heaven will be that way. And we want to be a representation of heaven. We want people to experience the presence of God here and to get ready for what eternity will be like, right? We want God to give us an open heart. It also means that when we look at people groups with different issues or different gods or Different ideas that when we look at them, we look at them and we say they are made in the image of God. And we're looking for opportunities to be friend. even those that we once considered our enemies, because we understand that we only have one enemy, the kingdom of darkness, right? And that there are people who are held captive to do his will, but they are not our enemies. They are our mission. We're supposed to reach them with the love of Christ. We welcome diversity. We're not about our business. We are real people from all walks of life advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're about advancing the kingdom of God. Not about our business. Not about our agendas. Not about our strategy. Our desire is that as we grow more and more, that we learn to listen to the voice of the Father and be about the Father's business. Be about His kingdom. Do you know that we can very easily just focus on what we want to do? And leave God completely out of the mix. There's a point in scripture where the Bible says that God said to Moses, you know what, Moses, I can't be with your people. These people are stiff-necked. And if I go with them, I would kill them. Really, that's, that's what it says. So God said to Moses, you go with the people. You take the land. I'll give you blessings and I'll, you know, you'll be blessed. Just go, just do it. The land is yours. But I'm not going with you. And Moses said, no deal. I will not take that deal. If you don't go with us, people, how are they going to know that we belong to you? And you're the one that's give, given us the victory. We will not go and take the land without you. Right? And you know, I believe strongly that today as one said that there are a lot of ministries that have taken that deal. It says, we'll go, just prosper us, just make us successful in all that we do we don't need your presence here at the rock we need his presence we need his presence we are saying we're advancing the kingdom of god we want the kingdom of god not our kingdoms and we're doing it through the person of the holy spirit what's the strategy at the rock the holy spirit you know what's the vision of the rock the presence of the holy spirit we welcome all of the Holy Spirit. To us, the Holy Spirit is not the weird, the strange part of the Trinity, right? To us, the Holy Spirit is a person of God who wants to indwell, who wants to live in us, who wants to baptize, who wants to fill us with power, and that is the deal. Without the oil and the lamp, we're just empty. And nothing that we have to give is worth anything. Anybody with me today? So we welcome the oil that is the person of the Holy Spirit. We're saying we're real people from all walks of life. We're about the Father's business, and we need the oil. We need the Holy Spirit. Unashamedly about the Holy Spirit. May he give the strategy. May he give the clarity. May he give the counsel. May he fill us within, and may him empower us to do ministry. It's a desire of the rock. It's what we believe God's desire for us. Now, What are we about? Or what do we want to be about? What is the mission of the rock? We've said it over and over again. Here's what God's called us to do. To reach the spiritually dead and grow those who are alive in Christ. It's the mission of the kingdom. To reach those who are dead and grow those who are alive. Reaching the spiritually dead and growing those who are alive is what God has called us to do. And when you think about that reality, some of us may be better at one over the other. Some would say, well, you know, Pastor, I just, I love connecting with those who don't believe. I just, I'm able to connect with those who don't believe. If it's the church folk that I can't stand, can I just bring them to church and you deal with them? Because once they get to church, I just don't like them. But you know, can I just reach, and that part of discipleship is evangelism, right? reaching people with the love of God and teaching them that God loves them and that he has a plan for their lives. And then some of us are the opposite. You know, we just love the body of Christ. We love to have conversations with those people who are hungry for the word of God. And we're like, well, we love to be with those people who just have that hunger so that we can instruct them and so that we can come alongside them. But we just don't like people from the world. We've said things like, you know, well, you know, I just, I came to follow Jesus and I became Holy, and so I separated myself from everybody who doesn't know the Lord who's, not, who's worldly. I thought, well, that's not healthy either. You see, we need to grow in both. I need to learn to love those who don't know him, and I got to learn to love those who do know him. I got to learn st- to stop having false expectations of those who don't know him. I'm not going to talk like me, walk like me, act like me. They don't know him. And I need to stop having false expectations on the church. They're not in the same process of sanctification that I'm in. And if we walk around that way, nobody's going to connect to us because we're being critical and judgmental, right? And so that tension is a tension that we cannot release. We, we love comfort, right? Right? We like for things to be comfortable, but the church is called to live in this place of tension that we learn to love Muslim men who don't know Jesus, like the sign right back there, the picture right back there. And our desire is that they would know that we love them. Our desire is that they would know that we care for them. Our desire is that they would know that we will serve them and go the extra mile. And our desire is, of course, that they would come to know Jesus. But even if they don't come to know Jesus, we will love, we will serve, we will honor. Because that's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the kingdom. And so I'm going to be a true friend even if they're not converted. Because that's the way of the kingdom. Because Jesus was a friend to me before I knew him. Are you with me? I'm one that just, I thrive on discipleship. The moment I got saved, I just loved when people came to faith in Christ. And when they were hungry, I was like, Pastor, let me add them. I'll do it. And he connected me with people, and I just spent my life doing discipleship, praying all night, reading the word. I just loved it, right? But that discipleship wouldn't take place if there wasn't someone who loved a sinner. Are you with me? And I wouldn't be able to do that discipleship if someone didn't love this sinner. There's a tension that we cannot resolve. It's something that we have to grow in. If you do not have the love of God for the broken, the lost, the hurting, let's begin to pray. Say, God, I need to have the right heart. God, I need. if you do not have friends who don't know Jesus, say, God, I want to have friends who don't know Jesus. I have a friend of mine. I hope this doesn't offend anybody. Obviously, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I had a friend of mine who started coming to the Rock many, many years ago, and his kid was about seven years old, and he looks around. He says, whoa, Dad, there's a lot of brown people here. (laughs) And his dad was like, it just hit me. Wow, we have been going to a church that's not really multicultural, and it's shocking the life out of my kid. And I said, yeah, isn't that cool? And his son said, Yeah, Dad. Hey, Dad, we need more brown friends. (laughs) He says it really loud, right? (laughs) Dad's like sweating bullets, right? You can just imagine. You do need more brown friends in the name of Jesus. Right here, I'm a friend, okay? (laughs) Listen. Listen, we need more friends who don't know Jesus. Our life is just boring if we don't have friends who don't know Jesus. We need to get out there. We need to figure out a way to serve, to connect. Someone that we work with, somehow, some We're going to say, Lord, I don't, I don't know where to begin here, but you lead me. Who am I supposed to reach? Who am I supposed to love? Who am I supposed to serve? Our mission is reaching the spiritually dead and growing those who are spiritually alive. And we want to go 100 on both of those. In other words, we want to be completely sold out yes. on doing both. And doing both well. How are we gonna go about that? Well, we wanna value several things. And uh, we obviously, I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear that um, we're not giving the past to anyone individually. To assume that this is the work of the church leadership to do all the reaching and all the growing is a false expectation. The Bible says is that we're called to equip you so that you can go out and do the reaching and the growing. And when I mean you, when I say you, I mean us. So as a pastor, I don't give myself the pass that says, well, I do the work on Sundays. You guys just bring them. No, 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 no. I'm engaged. I'm praying in the schools. I'm a chaplain at the YMCA. I'm looking for different opportunities to connect with people who don't know Jesus. I have conversations with people who believe differently because that brings me life. That brings life to the kingdom. And it's so necessary. And I want you to hear from me. I'm just going to, I'm almost, I'm just talking. Let me just chat with you here. Evangelism wasn't something that came natural to me. And by the way, there are some things the Holy Spirit will want you to say to people ain't gonna ever feel natural. Holy Spirit's gonna call and Tell them that I love him, that his life is worth something. Okay. In those words, or is there like a better way you <laughs> right? There's just gonna be things God's gonna call you to that's just gonna be awkward. That's the way of the kingdom. His ways are higher than your ways. Sometimes God calls us to step into some things, and some things are going to be epic victory. Some things are going to be epic fails. (laughs) You know? But God's going to be in it, and we're going to grow in the process. right? So I, I, I can stay in the land of discipleship and not challenge myself, but I realize I'm missing a whole lot of life by doing that. It's a whole lot of joy that I'm leaving on the table by doing that. So how are we going to go about that? Number one, we want to value engaging in our personal relationship with God. I just, let's pause and let me just share with you four core values that need to be your values. Your relationship with God needs to matter to you more than it matters to me. Your personal devotion with God has to be valuable to you. Now, maybe you're here. I got gifts to give. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, this year God has spoken to me about learning to hear his voice intimately i I've, this year that that's been one of my prayer focuses i just felt like the lord is saying this year is a year where i want you to hear my voice if that's you i'm actually asking you this not rhetorically if that's you would you raise your hand you're saying you know i feel like the lord is saying to me this year is a year when i'm going to hear the voice i, I want to grow in hearing the voice of the lord anyone here I see a hand? i see a hand over here okay i got a gift for you okay I got it. Oh, my goodness. Fastest like Oprah today. No, I'm not. I rebuke that. <laughs> this book is called Jesus Calling, and it's a cool devotional about how someone just wrote down the way that God spoke into her life and just ministered to her. And I just want to encourage you and all those who raised their hands, all of you who are saying this year, I want to hear the voice of the Lord. Yes and amen. Can we give them a hand? That's important. Your relationship with God matters. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? God has really spoken to me. I've been a Christian, um, but God, uh, for for many many years, God's really spoken to me about reading through the Bible. I want to set a goal of read through the Bible, and I need a plan to be able to go through the Bible so I can read it through the year. Anybody here set that as a goal in their lives? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on. Where? Where? Okay. All right, Sister Mary. Mary, I'm going to get you another. Do Do you prefer Spanish or English? English. Here's English because I can get you Spanish one too. All right, here we go. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's a great Bible. It's a, the ESV is usually the Bible that I translate out of, but it has a daily portion of reading for a whole year. And so all you got to do is look up the date. I'd love to encourage that. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, I need to get through my Bible in a year, praise God. Go ahead, go for it. Just go for it. I'll begin to read and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to learn how to invest my life into the work of the kingdom. I want to learn how to maximize everything that God has given me to use it to advance the kingdom of God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? All right, I see see you over there. I see you. Here's a book for you called The Treasure Principle. It's a powerful book, and my favorite part, it's about 50 pages. Glory to God. (laughs) It's a great book. Share that with your family. It's one of my favorite reads, and so I want to just share that with you. Listen, engage. One of the things that we value is engaging in our personal relationship with God. I want you to hear from me. You need oil in your lamp, you are a lamp. God is the oil. If you're not spending time with God, In a personal, intimate way, you're lacking that which the world needs. You cannot function as a lamp without oil. You cannot function. A car cannot function without gas. You need the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. You cannot function as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You with me? You need that personal time that you're setting to the side. Oh, well, pastor, sometimes this is hard for me because of my work schedule. Sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning. Sometimes it's hard to stay up at night. Sometimes it's stop with the excuses. I disallow them. You can bring me an excuse about anything, but I will not allow your excuses about your personal relationship with God. It needs to be your number one priority. And that's it. And I cannot give it to you. A fellowship will not give it to you. The gathering on Sunday cannot give it to you. You need to get your oil. Amen. You need to get your oil. Okay, do you still love me? Good. I love you anyway. (laughs) Engage in our personal relationship with God. Second, it's important to worship together. Here, God speaks to us. God moves in a powerful way. Where two or three are gathered, there he will be. So how are we going to go about reaching the spiritually dead and growing those who are alive in Christ, engaging in a personal relationship with God, worshiping together, valuing the fellowship? Fellowship matters. Learning to grow with others and having accountability and calling someone and saying, hey, can you hold me accountable in this area? I need to grow here in this area. Would you hold me accountable? And calling people that will hold you accountable, that won't give you a pass. And you holding others accountable. That's what bearing with one another means. And then when people are suffering, not bailing out on them. Or not going around them so that you can preach ten sermons. Just being with them in their suffering. Loving on them, preparing meals, caring for them. That's what the fellowship is about. I just talked to somebody this week said I was at the, and they were weeping and they were it was it was tears of grieving like seriously grieving and this is why they were grieving they said I went to this gathering or this get together and the way people were and I realized the way this person has had these relationships I just started to grieve and to cry and I felt so bitter and, and so sad I've never had that in my life they're not walking with the lord said, I've never had that And I saw them just loving life and people loving on them. And I begin to grieve because I sense what a great loss I've had in my life that as an adult, I've never had that. You know what the Bible says? They will know that you belong to me by the love that you have for one another. Fellowship matters. And by intentional discipleship. How are we going to go about? Reaching the lost, reaching the dead, and growing the saved by, by intentional discipleship. So, I'm going to be intentional about reaching out to those who don't know him. I'm going to be intentional about growing with those who do know him, about discipling others. And listen, in my life, I got people who speak to me. I got people who speak to me in a bunch of different areas people who hold me accountable about what I watch, people who c- hold me accountable about how I shepherd people who hold me accountable in regards to the goals that I set. This September, I start a master's of, uh, my Master's of Divinity again. I continue that journey, and I'm taking, uh, um, so as I'm pursuing that, I'm holding myself accountable to learn the Word of God. You need me to hold my, myself accountable to continue to grow in the Word of God and not to become indifferent in the ministry. It can happen. Anybody experienced that? I have. I'll raise my hand for you. Right? So I'm growing in a personal relationship with him, and I'm being intentional about being discipled, discipling others, reaching those who don't know him. So today, I've shared with you who we are, what we're going to be about, and uh, I, want to, I want to share with you what we want to make a big deal out of from now on here at The Rock, what is it that you will hear us celebrate a lot? The presence of God. We will always celebrate the presence of God. Aren't you thankful that you go to a church where we celebrate the presence of God? Yes. I am. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Uh, we're going to celebrate seeing people connect with others in a God honoring way. We're going to celebrate when people come in and they connect and they grow. We're going to celebrate people growing in a personal relationship with Jesus. It matters, it's valuable. So you're going to hear stories of that from the pulpit, celebrating what, people is, what God is doing in the hearts of people. We're going to celebrate learning to serve and to give to meet the needs of the body. You're going to hear shared testimonies of people who are serving and who are giving and who are being a blessing to the kingdom of God here. And we're going to celebrate intentional reaching out to the lost that surrounds us. I want you to just look at those points. And maybe you're here and you say, one of those identifies with me more than the other. I believe you need to make that your goal. Which one of those are you identifying with more than the other and begin to say, okay, God, how do I grow in that area? For me, intentional reaching out is something that the Lord is saying, okay, I need you to do more of it. I'm a chaplain at the YMCA. I'm connecting with some guys there on a regular basis. I'm, uh, uh, I'm praying at ju- uh, Facet Junior High. I just told Facet Junior High that you're available for whatever they need. <laughs> 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 you know, so, you know, you know. what are some things? I'm continuing to look for opportunities to be a blessing. And I want you to begin to pray, okay, God, how can I make myself available to my community, to my neighborhood, to my schools? Now let me share with you a little bit about what it means to reach the spiritually dead and grow the spiritually alive. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. Father, I just want to yield to you. Say nothing that I've said is something that I came up with. This is your word. We just want to do your work. Lord, as we look at these verses, prick our hearts. Have your way with our lives. In Jesus' name. Ephesians 2 says this, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, say all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature the serving of wrath. i like to read another translation. The ESV says this, Are you, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So it not only says in those who are in disobedience, but in the sons of disobedience. It means that disobedience, again, there's a spirit of disobedience that has authority over people. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a demonic um, authority that we need to address as a church. Let's move on. Among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying on the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature not deserving of wrath, but it says also children of wrath. When it says objects of wrath... Another translation would be, or deserving wrath, would make it you were object, you were designated, you were under, you were fathered by judgment, like the rest of mankind. So here in these three verses, uh, the Bible tells us that our state before having a relationship with Jesus is dead in sins, controlled by spiritual darkness. What is the state of humanity? What was the state of you and I before coming to faith in Jesus Christ? Or what is your state right now without placing your faith and your trust in Jesus? Dead in sin, fathered by disobedience. This is the state of every person before Christ. No one is exempt from this. Our existence is a dead one. Our lives are dead lives without Jesus. Our condition is slavery to spiritual darkness. Our condition is slavery to spiritual darkness outside of Jesus. There was a point where God said to me, Carlos, I'm wondering at what point in your life in ministry are you going to start acknowledging that there is a demonic reality that you need to take authority over in the name of Jesus so that I can break free? Or are you just going to go through the motions? There is the reality that we got to pick up our cross and sometimes we just got to go through some difficult seasons and some difficult times. But do you think the enemy's is just going to cross his arms as you go through your difficult time? Oh, well, let him just go through his difficult time. No, he's busy in the difficult time to see if he can get you to do something contrary to God's will. And you and I have to acknowledge that reality and say, devil, I am not okay with you getting in the way of what God has for me. I am not okay with you killing, stealing, destroying my friends. I'm not okay with you killing, stealing, destroying my neighborhood. I am not okay with you killing, stealing, destroying with human trafficking. I'm not okay with you killing, stealing, and destroying in India. I am not okay. There has to be a point where we recognize that there is a spiritual darkness, that we have been given the weapon of God's word, that we have been given the weapon of prayer, and that we would stand in the gap and intercede not just for ourselves, but for those who cannot pray for themselves. Spiritual reality that we live in. We are outside of Jesus, controlled by that which wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And we like it and choose it outside of Jesus. That's crazy, ain't it? Robert Downey Jr., many, many years ago, before we knew him as Iron Man, Had some real problems with drug addiction, and he stood before the court, and he said this. I'll never forget this. I was watching this on TV, and as the verdict was laid out about his drug addiction, he said, I don't know what to tell you, judge. It's like I have a loaded gun in my mouth, and I love the taste of the metal. Wow. What is the reality of this spiritual darkness that owns people? It is that it controls us. It is that it it manipulates us. And it is that even when, uh, you know, we see where it's leading, we choose it. That is the reality of sin. And because of that, we are deserving of God's wrath. We are deserving of God's judgment. And I think that we need to begin to see God's wrath and God's judgment in its true light. A lot of times we see God's wrath and God's judgment and people have said, how can I serve a God of wrath? That's not a God of love. I can't serve a God like that. But I want you to think about this reality. God's wrath and God's judgment has always been for redemption. We look at the condition of the people during Noah's time and how God brought a flood. Why did God do that? In order to redeem his creation. If judgment wasn't poured out, all of his creation would have been lost. Wrath and judgment must be poured out in order to preserve that which God created. Thanks be to God that Jesus, his son, said, I'll take your full wrath and judgment so that they can be forgiven. But if we make less of the fact that God is a God of wrath and judgment, we make less of what Jesus bore on the cross. You understand that today? We have to stop looking at God's wrath as if it is a raging, harmful, emotional act and start seeing it as the perfect justice of a holy God. But praise be to God. Before we could make one right decision. While we were still powerless, God was rich in mercy. right. Let's just pause there. He, was, he didn't just have mercy. He was rich in it. He was rich in it. This is what the Bible says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable, or another translation would be the exceeding, the words would say beyond. Beyond. I want you to think theologically here. I want you to think Toy Story. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. Right? All right? That's why it's this idea that is beyond anything that we can comprehend, anything that we could even fathom. It's incomparable. It is exceeding. It is beyond anything that we can put in our minds. The exceeding riches of His grace. In order that in the coming ages He might show the exceeding riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to you. In Christ Jesus. What does God want to do? Save you. Seat you in a place of authority. So that as you're seated in that place, he can start pouring out his richness over you. So exceeding, so beyond what you can think of or imagine or what the world could imagine. He's just going to bless you. God wants to sit you in a place where he can bless you. And he is smiling from ear to ear. Watch what I'm about to do with Monique. Watch what I'm about to do with Dallas. Watch what I'm going to do with the Gilbert family. It is the pleasure of God to show his mercy toward you. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and not, this not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, he makes us alive. It is a supernatural. It is a spiritual work that He does, not because we are righteous, but because of His rich mercy. Yes. This is what God does. One day you wake up and all of a sudden you recognize, I need God. That's a gift from God. It's talking to somebody. He says, "Yo, Pastor, I was like at home. All of a sudden it hit me. God is." Okay, okay, God is. Come on. And if he is, he's seen everything. Everything that I've done. Okay. I realize, yo, I need God. Come on. Okay. <laughs> See, this is a basic revelation in the middle of his hallway in his house. God is. Some of you are here because of that all of a sudden it hit you in the middle of your home. God loves you. It hit you, I need him. It hit you, I am addicted. It hit you, I need freedom. It hit you, I am broken. And in all that, God is saying, I am. He makes us alive. It is a supernatural, it is a spiritual work. Your salvation, is not something that you came up to because you think so bright? Your salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. We are not only made alive, but we have been seated in a place of authority in Jesus. You are Jesus. God then takes you out of the darkness. Not only makes you alive and dusts you up and says, okay, go. No, he picks you up. He puts you in the seat that he loves to look at because it's the seat of his son. The, the, The place that he loves to favor. The place that he loves to bless. The place that he loves to show his power. And he puts you in that place. So that you would walk and receive the authority of God. Christian, are you walking in the authority that God has ordained for you? Because if you're not walking in that authority, you're taken away from Jesus what he rightly deserves. Oh, you know, I'm just not worthy. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, no, no. God has more for you. He wants you to be a conduit. You know what a conduit is? When you look at the wire up there, it's passing electricity from one place to the other. God wants you to be a conduit of his glory. He wants you to connect with him and connect with the world, and he wants to display his power through you. Through you. He wants you to walk in that authority. I want you to ask yourself, what's an area in your life where you need to walk in the authority of God? So your Parenting. It's your marriage, it's your finances, it's your, your friends. God wants you to walk in authority, not timid, but in the authority that he has given you. So what is the conclusion of all these things? Let us read on. You have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. And it is all a gift. The faith you have, the grace you receive, the salvation that you experience right now is all a gift from God. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Son of God, fully God, living water, bread of life, the good shepherd and the salvation, the salvation of God. Do you believe that? That's a gift from God. Do you believe today that you need salvation? That is a gift from God. It's your belief in the truth that Jesus is who he says he is deep enough where today you want to entrust your life to him and welcome him into the mess of your life. That is a gift from God. All we have to do is take a step of faith and act according to the gift that God has given us this morning. We're not saved by works. We are saved because it is a gift from God. But God created us with a purpose. And what is that purpose? For we are God's handiwork. The translation there could also be very clearly, you are God's masterpiece. Do you see yourself that way? Some of y'all. I'm going to be very clear when I speak here. I am not speaking to all matters related here to this issue, but just again, hear me out. Some of us are dealing with great fear, great anxiety, and great depression. And though I believe that many of that has to do with some clinical matters in some instances. I also believe that it's a spiritual issue. And we need to start addressing things spiritually and stop trying to medicate some things that are spiritual. There's time where it's needed, but we need to come before God and seek his wisdom. Some of us are waking up in the morning and we're feeling inferior, dealing with fear, depressed, And it is because we're not walking according to what God's called us to be. We need to start looking at ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm going to be who God called me to be. I'm going to believe the word of God. And there is one time where we can talk to the enemy, and that is to tell him to shut up. Shut up, devil. I will not believe the lie anymore. Somebody's got to start taking authority over the things that you're hearing instead of letting them marinate in your mind and mess with your life, mess with your marriage, mess with your relationship. Somebody has to say, shut up, devil. I'm done listening to you. Some of y'all need to say, shut up, flesh. Not just the devil. Shut up, Carlos. You do not have the mind of God. I got to say that to myself. We are born dead, controlled by spiritual death, incapable of freedom, incapable of escaping in our own strength. But God, rich in mercy, made us alive in him. He seated us in Christ. He makes us a conduit of his glory. And he says, I haven't made you for work, or you're not saved for work, but I have a work for you that I will do with you. It's going to get exciting. Strap your belt on. Let's go. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to live alive. I don't want to live a life that doesn't know you, an existence that is dead. I want to be dead to the world, but alive in you. Lord, I need the right heart. Oh Father, awaken me. Revive me, oh God. Return unto me the joy of my salvation. Create in me a clean heart. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me that first love, O oh God. Oh Father, we need you. We're desperately hungry for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. We as a church, we affirm we're real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we affirm today that we want to be about reaching the spiritually dead and growing the spiritually alive. What we want to do, God, is what you call us to. Today, we want to yield our lives and surrender to you. We want to get busy about the Father's business. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. But I need a deep, I need an awakening in him. I want the right heart. I want to be about this mission of reaching those who don't know him and loving them, even if they don't convert, that I would be a, a man or a woman that learns how to love and serve even those who don't believe. I need an awakening. I need an awakening to recognize that Jesus is coming. I need to live woke, <laughs> alive to the commission, alive to the reality that people are going into eternity without a hope in him. And I don't want to be okay with that. That's you today. You're saying, I'm asking for awakening in my life. And I'm saying to the Lord, take me as a cup, as a vessel, and use me for your glory. That's you. Would you come to the altar right now? Just respond to God. Say, Lord, I want to be used. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to get caught up in the things of this world. I don't want to get caught up in the distractions of this world. I don't want to be like Pastor writing that he surrendered.
1: <laughs> right?
0: I, I want to I really be surrendered. Lord, I don't want to be that way. Father, deal with me. I don't want to write down that I'm surrendered and not live it. <laughs> we turn to you, Jesus. We're desperate. We need an awakening. We need an awakening. Our families need an awakening. Some of you have given up a vision God gave you for your community, for your neighbor, for your city. You've just given it up. And God said, you need to pick that up. The work that I've begun is the work that I will finish. Since you need to pick that up. He would say, What have you given up that vision for? The cares of this world? Where's your joy at? Where's your peace at? Pick up the vision God's given you. To come to the altar right now. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you need to begin this journey of a life surrendered to Jesus. You're saying, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to live my life surrendered. If you're here today and you're saying, today, I realize that I need a Savior. I realize that I'm in desperate need of Jesus, and I believe that He died on the cross for me. Today, for the first time, you want to give your life to Jesus. The altars are open. We'd like to welcome you at this time to come up. Love to meet you. Love to pray for you. Love to welcome you into the family. Amen. Will the altar workers come up at this time. Let's pray. We're going to be praying here at the altar and prayer. We're just Prayer is some, at the altar is something that we value. So um, what we're going to do is we dismiss here. So we're going to be praying for people here at the altar. We're going to anoint people today, ask for God to speak into their lives. So if you need prayer in any area uh, and you want us to pray for you, we'd love to welcome you to come up. The altar's an important meeting place between God and man. And uh, we, we value that here at The Rock. You'll see that. We'll continue to value that because we believe that breakthroughs happen when we gather together in his name. If you're here today and you need prayer, we welcome you. And then altar workers you are released at this time, to go ahead and pray for individuals. Let me pray for you as I release the church. Lord, I thank you for your church. Awaken us. Awaken us, Father. Give us joy. Give us vision for that which matters to you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Would you help me pray? Greg and Ashley would you pray right here?